If this intro music isn't enough to inspire you or motivate you, then this episode sure will. Today, I sit down with the most adventurous person I know, my Uncle Matt. In this episode, Matt gives us a little bit of insight into what inspires him, a few of his passions, and some stories from his most dangerous adventures. Enjoy. So you are, you're pretty inspiring to me, you, for a couple reasons, but Nana, she actually, so I heard this secondhand through her, so she made a, might have made it sound a little bit better than you actually said it, because she, <laughs> she has that gift, but she said, so what I, what I like about Matt is he is someone who, if he wants to do something, you just do it. You don't make excuses like, it's too hard, it's, it's too far of a hike, you just, you get it in your mind and you do it. I'll lie in bed all night thinking of cool things to do, and then when push comes to shove, I don't do it because I, I talk myself out of it. <laughs> but, but Nana said that you had, you had, gosh, I don't know if you emailed her or something, but you said, I imagine myself and I don't want to butcher this. So if you feel like I'm saying it wrong, step in. But you said, I imagine myself, you know, after I die and I'm talking with God and he's saying, Hey, how did you like my creation? Did you go out and see all the different kinds of fish in the sea? Did you see all the animals in the mountains and you know you kind of give the answer of like I don't want to be that person who's like no I didn't even know those things existed you yeah know? you know I from an early age I always I've always felt that each creation in nature and everything really in the world there's such like minute details and even like you know, a butterfly's wing to a leaf, uh, to the colors that exist in the world and the patterns and the shapes and the textures. And from an artist thinking person, since I'm not that great at math, you know, people who aren't good at math, you can always just throw it to say, my other side of my brain must be working over time. And that's the artsy side and language side, possibly. Mm-hmm. But I I've seen that and I I haven't thought it was a mistake or it was by chance. It seemed so perfectly designed and balanced and forethought to it and designed to please the human eye. I just never saw or thought that there was coincidence between what pleases the human eye and the creator's intent. And so I, I, I have felt almost my entire life that the world is this uh, museum on show for a brief time, a limited time. um, And it's there for us to go and see. And it's open every single day, uh, 24-7. And it's sometimes sad to know that people get distracted in the world. And rightfully so, they get distracted with work and disease and Um, maybe mistakes they've made in their life or there's many things that can distract us. But I also believe that those things that distract us being out in nature, maybe that's the exact thing that we need to help us heal from those distractions, whether it's alcoholism or maybe pornography or the loss of a loved one. There's plenty of sadness to go around. And I've always felt like nature is a place that can go that is always in a hundred percent accordance with the laws of nature. It feels balanced out there. It feels nature is the only place where there's uniformity and there's a foundation where not much changes. And so whatever crazy is going on in your life with all those changes, it feels like you can go back to nature and it's all the same every day and it's healing. So yeah, at the very end in my life, it would be really sad to meet the artist and look him in the eye and say, I made this for you. He didn't make it for a flower doesn't have to exist. Those beautiful Mm -hmm. patterns don't have to exist. And even maybe a scientist might say, no, the butterfly and the birds need to be beautiful to create attention for the female. So the female comes along and it progresses, you know, 
you know, evolution and, and, and life goes on. Yeah, I don't think so always. I just think there was a lot of forethought to it and it was there to please the eye and gladden the soul and put a smile on your face. And it does for me and just be sad to not know what Caribbean blue looks like yeah. that color. Like it's a real color that exists that if when you go to the Caribbean and you see that white sand underneath in those shallow waters, that blue is refreshing or to go up and know what powder, you know, hitting your face at 30 miles an hour feels like and yeah. watching a, you know, maybe a snowflake land on your glove and look down and see that intricate design that seems like the world's greatest creation. It is so pretty. And, and yeah, it's just kind of neat. And so I feel like the Lord or God, just depending on what your background is, he will give you more of his museum to look at. If you're willing to walk further down those halls and explore more and, uh, yeah, it'd be sad if there was a the world's greatest museum of Van Goghs and you're like, ah, you know what? I walked like 20 feet down the hallway and then I got <laughs> tired and I was like, I'm just going to pick up my phone and play some video games and text people. And shoot, I got fat along the way. So I kind of gave up on just continue on down. And then my work had me coming in late and then, you know, I just got distracted. Sorry. Yeah, I understand that's happened. So, but yeah, that's my take on it. See as much as you can. Well, you said a lot in there that I want to touch on. I mean, you, because I think a lot of the time people do get so busy and in their rhythm and caught up in, in their virtual reality that they don't realize. I mean, it's one thing for you to stop and say like, holy cow, look at this butterfly. It's beautiful. But to even dive deeper and be like, look at the design on its wings. Why does it have that? Why does this leaf, I can see all the veins in the leaf. Like you're really slowing down to appreciate. And I think if you think about it in the way that you're approaching it of like, God was this artist and he created things, you know, with purpose. This, this flower is is beautiful. It doesn't have to be there, but it does just because I'm an artist and I thought it was pretty and it would smell nice and people would like that. But Last Sunday, every like at the end of the week, I get um, an update, a weekly update on my phone usage, and it always makes me feel bad about myself. I literally am spending like seven hours average a day on my phone. That's crazy, right? I I think everyone gets that. It's kind of a reality check, and yeah, I I totally agree. It's it's taken us. It's taken us. Maybe there's some positive things and there's some negative. Maybe you just cut out the bad and add to the good. Well, and you have a pretty good grasp on, on nature and an appreciation for God and what he created. Um, and that would bring me into another segment of what people maybe don't realize about you. Cause they see this Instagram, Matt, Matt in the wild, which have you ever considered changing your Instagram name to Matt gone wild? <laughs> and I changed it just to Matt gallon so that, I don't know. I think I may have been attracting the wrong group of people with Matt in the wild. <laughs> uh, but, so it's just Matt Gallant now But you know, it's the rate I came up with Matt in the wild because I didn't ever want to be tied down to one specific thing. Yeah. And um, it just, I wanted to have the freedom to be Matt in the wild, whatever I decided to do. Yeah. Cause I knew one thing would remain constant and that would be my love for the outdoors. Um, I just knew it would come in different forms, whether it's flying an airplane or a helicopter through this stuff or skiing or running. And sometimes it's hunting and I didn't want to be tied down to like one thing. And that's, unfortunately, that's the, thing, the sad thing about Instagram is it's like, no, we just want to see pictures of this. Yeah. So, you know, if, if, if you got big because you're a slack liner, when you, post a picture of your baby everyone's like boo yeah they don't want to see that lining or if you're like oh uh i just learned to fly a helicopter people are like boo we don't like those we just like slack lining and everyone is like so niche mm -hmm. like monofocus on what they like to do that i'm like i just want to be mountain wild like i'm gonna do whatever i want if you don't like it that's fine it's, well you're kind of you're kind of a renaissance man and the fact that you do everything i mean I, like i what i had written down like you you really do it all. You are an adventurer. You're an explorer. 
you're a pilot, both with fixed wing and helicopter. You, you're a skydiver, a mountain biker, a hiker. Um, you had your own Discovery Channel show. I mean, you really, you, you can't fit Matt into a box. And so that's what's so cool about you. Many people aren't good at so many different things. You know, I, my fit, well, one thing, if it's, you know, all these different hobbies, they all do have one thing in common and they're all tools to help me see and be in nature more and, and experience it in a little bit different way. And so it's, it's kind of interesting, you know, I've hiked, I started as a kid just hiking all around and I ran, then I ran my first marathon when I was 14 Crazy. and I'm like, Oh, well, good. I can run out in nature instead of hike. I can like do it three times as fast and see three times as more. <laughs> and then, you know, getting dirt bikes. I'm like, you know what? I can actually even get a little bit further this way. And then mountain biking came and I thought, Oh, I could go all day and maybe cover like, you know, 150, 200 miles in a day. And, you know, the more I could see, like the better. And so they're all tools to see nature and, and not one way is better than the other. That's for sure. And unfortunately, some of, some of the things you do, people can champion you for, Oh, I love running. It's been interesting. When I started flying helicopters, there's a small group of people who are like, Oh, boo. Why would you, you know, why do you want a helicopter nature? It's so much better. Like it's almost like and, a cheat. You know, I'm lucky that I'm 40, like in my forties and I have a wife and kids cause I really don't care. <laughs> and, you know, I am not at that stage in life where I'm like, Oh, Oh, you don't like this. Well then let me change it. I'm like, well, that's too bad. Cause this is what I'm doing. Yeah. So, but they're all, I, I'm telling you this, if you have not been up in a helicopter and you haven't been over, you know, 10 feet over the tops of, you know, Alaskan peaks for a full day, seeing bears and whales and wolves is just, you can't get that running. And I remember for hearing, those who have flown your whole life in helicopters, I'm begging to get on the ground and be a little bit more intimate. I'm like, I love seeing it from the sky, but man, I just want to land this thing and I want to feel that dirt in my hands and I want to feel the crunch of rocks or muscles underneath your feet on the ocean. So there's all different levels of intimacy, but yeah, all everything I do is mostly to just be out in nature more. Well, I remember you getting your license, your helicopter license and thinking, okay, usually people get a helicopter so they can get to places they can't go on feet. But you're, you're a guy, you have pretty much, unless it's like physically impossible, you've been there on your feet. And so I remember thinking like, what's the difference going to be for you? But you said like the world of a helicopter opens it up so much more and gives you a different perspective that you're not seeing on your feet. Cause you're 10 feet above it or a hundred feet above it or a thousand feet above it. You have that new perspective on the world. And luckily I've been fortunate enough to, where I worked for York and he, we would go flying every day. I've been flying with you. Um, all my uncles have their helicopter license and I've been able to fly with you guys. And so I, I can appreciate what you're talking about. Yeah. Um, but I, yeah, I, sure. I do remember you when I was younger, you had sent me a video, but it pretty much the gist of it is like, why do we go to work every day to earn money to do what we want when we, at the end of the day, don't get to do what we want. And it's because you, you kind of followed a, maybe a little bit different path than your brothers. Um, cause your brothers are, I mean, the family's involved in business heavily, specifically real estate, but you got your MBA in, was it geography? No. So I got a master's and PhD in geography. Yep. Crazy. I mean, that is, so people who are really smart like you, for example, typically aren't going out and running. How many miles do you run a day? Well, it just depends. But I mean, typically in a week, it'll be anywhere from like 60 to 75 miles. A day? Yeah, no, just a week. Okay, wow. Yeah. So I go like a mile a day. So you're going, you're literally going 10 times further than I go. Yeah, but I'm just seeing 10 times as much. So, I mean, if I had to be running down like the street, and stopping at stop signs, I'd probably run a mile. The <laughs> thing is, in nature, it's just like you're at a store, like the world's coolest store. And you're like, oh, there's another aisle. When do you want to stop? Like, I'll just keep going until 
I literally pass out, and that's how <laughs> that's how it starts. Well, that's what you would think normal people would do. But I remember calling you once, and being like, oh, "I want to go on an adventure with you. Let's go on a flight. Let's do this." And you're like, "Dude, you live in Arizona. Just go out your back door. There's so many cool things for you to see." And I didn't do it because I think like, oh, I got to be with Matt to, to have a good time or know a good. What's fun about being with you is when we're flying over or in nature, you're like, you can explain probably because of your schooling. Hey, these, this Canyon that we're in were, was formed by millions of years of wind and rain and everything carving it out. You have such a passion and understanding of it that it makes it so much more appreciative yeah. You know, when no, for your listeners, if someone's listening, they're like, well, great, sweet, Matt, you like to run. Uh, and I don't, or I would like to, and I'm interested now. And what is that? What is, what is it that I need or I'm lacking that, you know, if I would want to do what you'd want to do, what is it that I would need to do? And probably the biggest thing that I could share is <clears throat> number one, to stop being afraid. And I know you're like, well, I'm not afraid of anything. And the truth is, is that you are. Mm-hmm. First of all, you're afraid to get up. That's never fun. And then two, you're afraid to get dressed maybe in the right stuff. Yeah. Oh, I don't know. Okay. I don't have time. You know, I don't think I have enough time, but you do because anyone who truly loves something, they will have time to do it. Think of, I mean, think of all the world's greatest TV shows. They're the world's greatest TV shows because millions of millions of people spend thousands of thousands of hours watching it. So I know people have time. So like the world's greatest shows, people have time, but they don't have and they're lacking is passion and a love for something because I don't know. I feel like the druggie has the least amount of money, but he does the most amount of drugs. That doesn't make sense Mm -hmm. except for one thing. He has to have that. Yeah. That's that's all he can think about. Um, the person who insists on, you know, being in shape, they it's crazy. And I don't always do this, but man, like you see moms out there at like four o'clock yeah. uh, with flashlights on running on the streets and stuff like whatever your passion is, if you're truly passionate about it, you will make it happen like a hundred percent. So I, a lot of people are like, okay, that's, true i i might need a little passion but how are you supposed to like this or how are you supposed to get into it and it's just like anything i don't want to make any uh, assertions or analogies with drugs but you try you try it whatever it is that you want to do and you just take a little bite of it and you see if you like it because it's not for everybody and um and i've learned that but if you get out and you say i want to go trail running don't set any lofty goals. Don't be afraid to fail. Mm-hmm. Don't be afraid of picking the right stuff. Most people uh, kind of front load their brain with too much thinking. Yeah. Uh, really what you need to do is, I don't know, go out in a pair of bare feet and you're going to be like, oh, that hurts. I got to wear something. Then you'll wear a cheap pair of shoes. And you're like, oh my gosh, my feet were hurting. I was slipping all over the place. Well, then you're like, okay, I'll get something with more traction. No, it was good traction. My feet were like all swimming around in that shoe. You're like, okay, let's tighten it up. Get this shoe, you know, shoe a little bit smaller. Oh, I was hungry. I just all I was thinking is, well, then good, bring some food. Yeah. I didn't know where to put my food. You'll get a backpack. Just by going out and starting, that's the number, I would say passion is number one. And then just start. Yeah. And you'll figure it out because humans are really intelligent. Like they can figure things out. And so Whatever it is that you're thinking you want to do, it was like flying a helicopter for me. I was having cereal, raisin bran to be um, <laughs> exact, and I was at the table and I, someone texted me and said, oh, I'm surprised you don't fly helicopters. Why don't you? And I didn't respond on that text. I'd like to see actually who it was because I know the day I took my first flight, but I was like, that's a really good question that I don't have an answer to. And I literally did not finish my cereal bowl. I called down to Provo Airport and he said, hey, do you guys, what if I wanted to get my helicopter license? What would I do? What's the first step? And I, oh, you'd come down here and do an intro flight. I'm like, can I come right now? I said, yeah, come right now. And that was that. Wow. And huge things have happened since. But uh, it took one phone call. 
I literally had to pick up my phone and look it up and then make a phone call. Well, that's that you, you speak to something that's pretty profound what you're saying, because I think a lot of people, at least for me anyway, I, if, before I start something, I feel like I need to know it perfectly before I'm going to yeah. start it. But my buddy the other day, and you just explained it beautifully as well, but he said, it's like taking a college class. You don't not sign up for a college class because you don't know it. You don't know everything. Like, oh, I don't know all the answers to the test. You're going to learn that, but you just got to show up to class and you're going to learn it. Exactly like you said, you just got to start and walk out there and you'll figure it out. Yeah. Some people think too much and they want to be perfectionists. And everyone kind of, I think everyone's a little bit afraid to fail. And that's why I honestly do so many things. Um, I don't know. I don't know if it's kind of like this, you know, love for pain or discomfort because I'll say odd things in public because they (laughs) grab attention to make people feel uncomfortable. Yeah, no, I'm your nephew and I have the same uh, problem maybe. I like I like the feeling of not normal because normal feels so boring to me. And like being in a rut, it almost is like, I don't know. It's just really depressing. And so I love being the new guy. I'm okay to be made fun of. I'm okay to have a finger pointed at as long as I'm having a good time. And so like fly fishing, I felt so stupid and uncoordinated and, oh, this is so crazy. And Flying a helicopter, I felt so out of control and scared and out of my league and like, why am I doing this? Uh, running my first 100 miler, same thing. I'm like, I can't even put the math together. If I feel this crappy <laughs> at mile 25, like I don't think I can literally stand four times this crappiness. Like yeah. I feel like I'm at 99% max. And so if I had to times this by four, I think that would be a statistical impossibility, but like, it's okay to totally fail. So you tell your buddies, I'm going to go run 10 miles tomorrow. And then you go and you're like, Oh my gosh, I ran like four. And I was like, <laughs> I like, I was so sore. I had blisters. Guess what? No one cares. No one even cares. You think everyone cares about your life and, and where you are, but no one does. Yeah, that's everyone true. Everyone just cares about themselves. Yeah. So the sooner you learn that, the sooner you'll get a little bit of like, I don't know, confidence and be like, let's just try anything. Let's yeah. just like shoot in the dark. But make sure you love it and you're curious. And because I don't know, like passionate about something, curious about something, um, those are the things that will like keep you moving. Getting a friend, like, it's, it's great to totally like tie yourself down to be like, Hey, I'm going to climb, you know, Mount Rainier next week. Who wants to go? And then if you have like four guys who are like, I'm in, you're like, you're, there's no way out of it. Yeah. They're like, Hey, aren't we going? You're like, shoot, kind of spoke too soon. It's just good to have friends who hold you accountable. You're like, I guess we're all going now. You know, what's funny. I, in, in preparation for this, I asked a bunch of people like, Hey, what, when you see my uncle Matt on his Instagram and doing all these crazy things he does, what is like one thing you've been, you would ask him, like, what are you curious about? And literally every, probably 10 people, and which I only asked 10 people, so 100% of them said, does he ever get tired? Like, does this guy ever stop? Because you will, you just, I mean, you threw out that you ran 100 miles, like casually. You did that in, in like one sitting. That would take me 100 days at my current pace to run 100 miles. And you did it in probably less than 24 hours. But do you? It, uh, it was almost. It was twenty-seven hours. My gosh! And yeah, like, gosh, guys like us know know pain and being tired more than anybody. I mean, that's just the thing. Is like, I've anyone who's run with Matt Galland for like a handful of times or over the years, every single person will raise their hand and say, I've seen Matt pass out. <laughs> well, so, so you're running to that point of where you're going to pass out time, yeah, where you're like, you are like so incredibly exhausted that you start getting shaky and weak. And then all of a sudden I'm like, I am not feeling good. Oh my god! Either start throwing up, going, getting the chills and then you fall over and you start cramping. And then the good thing is, is I'm like, oh, here we go. I've been through, I've been through this a million times. <laughs> yeah. So what I do is I go look for shade. Then I start drinking lots of water. And then I get lots of um, carbohydrates in me and electrolytes. And I wait for my engines to restart. 
Yeah. And usually I don't say anything and I'm shaking and then I'll like say a joke and then I'll <laughs> laugh and I'm like, Oh, I think maybe my engines are starting up again. And I'll stand up and I'm like, let me just start walking. And then I start talking and then I'm like, Oh, walking is boring. Let's start running again. And I'm like, Oh, I guess my engines are up and running and you go through it and you get through it. It happens at mile 25. Sometimes it happens at mile 12 and it's happened at mile like 78 to me and wow. uh, 85 and it can happen anytime. Well, it's funny you say that because when I work out with Gracie and you know, my wife, I would say she's the second most fit person behind you. And when I work out with her, I have the thought, okay, the quicker I can pass out, the quicker I can quit working out. Because she will make me finish the whole workout unless I can like pass out or throw up. So I'll push myself to that point where I can finally break free from working out. Do you know what one thing I've done here? Like I've been a professional, like break things down into small chunks that I can swallow. Sometimes literally on a run, I ran the Wasatch 100 and I knew I needed 300 calories an hour to finish or I would not. Like scientifically, it would not be possible. Yeah. I was throwing up so much that I was like doing math in my head to be like, what can I get down in little bits to like get through this? And it was, it was like an electrolyte block here, spaghetti noodles there. Sometimes I'd even close my eyes and tell my buddy, just put anything in your just mouth. Put something in my hand. I'm just going to eat it. Just don't tell me what it is. I'll plug my nose and I'll swallow it. I've been but to that point. thing goes down to breaking down into small goals. I will be like 10 steps. And once I, I ran with Rob McDonald, he liked this. I don't know if he listens, but he, he listens. I talked to him yesterday, dude. The guy listens. Yeah, he was running up the hill with me. He's like, can we walk? And I'm like, no. And he's like, why? And I'm like, cause you don't need to walk. You're fine. He's like, well, yeah. And I'm like, well, what's going on? He's like, I'm tired. I'm like, and what does that feel like? He's like, it hurts a little bit. I'm like, that's fine. I mean, hurt is okay. He's like, well, I feel uncomfortable. I'm like, you don't have to stop. Just keep going. And mentally, I was just like, you know, I like it when someone says, if there was a guy who was struggling financially, if he's like, dude, I'm done. Like, I can't even take another step. Yeah. And I've done this to myself. I've been like, what if I told you I'd pay you a thousand dollars? for every step beyond this that you can take up to five hours. So in the next five hours, however many steps you can take, I'm going to start putting down thousand dollars <laughs> every, every step. I guarantee you that guy would probably run and speed walk and, and off and on till right up till the fifth hour. Yeah. Literally and he, I couldn't he go anymore. Like, oh, so really what he was not lacking because he physically actually just wouldn't be able to do it. He just, he didn't believe in himself or he'd already emotionally, mentally given up and say, I'm done. But in my game, I do that all the time. I, I used to do that. I'm like, I'm going to pretend that for every step I get a thousand bucks. I want to, and then I'll count. And then in my head, I'll be like, two, I'm just going to write myself a check for like $6.8 million. <laughs> I feel so good about myself, yeah. but anything to like get you going around the next corner or up, but you've got to, if you can do that in life with anything, it'll get you through just about anything. Well, you're so I, I mean, I've known you my whole life and you are very physically tough. You are, I know it for a fact I've seen it, but what I'm learning in this is that you're, you're much more mentally tough than you are physically tough, which is saying something because I've touched your leg and it's freaking rock solid. So it's pretty, it's pretty cool to see the mental side of it too, because it is both, both, I would say it's even more of a mental game. Like you mentioned, you know, Rob just felt un uncomfortable. He was a little tired, but he could keep going. Um, so I, you've been very, very inspirational and I, I want to, um, touch on one more thing before maybe I ask you a couple of your most, your favorite adventures, but you talk a lot about passion and having passion and you clearly have it. It's obvious from hearing you talk where, did you have like a specific moment when you were younger where you were out in nature? You're like, this is what I like. This is what I want to do. And it just lit that match. Or were you born with that passion? You know? You know, so I, I, I taught at BYU and the university of Utah for a little bit for a decade or so and more. And I used to always tell my students there's cause I taught geography and I said, 
what you learn in this class, there's not one specific fact that I can teach you that's just going to make your life great. Mm-hmm. And it's going to make you a better person because any fact or of geography, you can look it up in a book. Um, but there's something that you're going to learn in this class that you can't get from a book and you can't get online and you can't get anywhere else, but except for you can get it from me and you could get it from another person maybe, but that is to see and feel um, what passion feels like and what it looks like. And I love to teach and I love what I'm teaching about. And I want you to see how excited I am. And and in that excitement, I don't want you to start writing down notes like, oh, here's a geography fact that Matt just came off. What I want you to think about is I see how happy he is and how much he loves that. And I ask them, what is it that you think about that you love? Because I really do believe this. I understand that some people deal with maybe a little bit of depression and maybe they aren't as motivated and maybe they don't know what their passion it is. But I, I really do believe that every single person on this planet is like genetically wired, if you will, or gifted from God to be passionate about something. There is something that they have to give to this universe and mutually the universe gives back to that person. Unfortunately, I feel like maybe people get lost along the way because maybe drugs inhibit it or you are struggling financially. So you just get any job you can. And that's just called surviving. Mm -hmm. But if you have the time, I tell my students, I'm like, what is it that you think about when you're in my class that you, you think you shouldn't be thinking about, but you're thinking about it anyway, it might be a girl right now. And maybe you should go down that path because that's maybe the person you need to marry, but maybe you're thinking about surfing and maybe you're thinking about, I hate geography. I just want to go make money. And this is not going to help me make money. I don't know why I'm listening, you know, to this professor go on. If you slow down and be really honest with yourself, because sometimes it sounds stupid. What if you, what if your dad wanted you to be a football player and you're like, oh, dang, I would just want to be a dancer. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I, but that's not the way I'm going. I'm fit. I'm athletically capable. All my brothers did it. Then you're just like, you're going down the wrong road. It's what you think about. And I think if you, quiet your mind a little bit and you think about it and you say it out loud, this is how you do it. You think a thought and then you say it out loud and then your brain hears it. And then the universe just starts working with you in that motion. So I really think that if people are like, okay, I see you love it. How do I do that? Where did your start? Mine came because I was lucky because my dad said, I make money and I've done well in business. I want you to have the freedom to pick what you would do. If you could do anything, if money wasn't an obstacle and time, maybe not like, where would you go? And I was like, I'd be a school teacher because this is what I love. And it would be geography because I love the world and I love everything in it. And I want to learn about it. So I listened early on and just stuck with that because I love doing something that makes me excited to wake up in the morning. So if I'm going to go ski a big mountain, I don't care how early I have to get up. I'm just thinking about it anyway at two in the morning, just waiting to do it. And that's all I'm thinking about. So whatever it is that would get you up, don't let it let it lead you down a bad path and say, well, I think about drugs or girls mm-hmm. and there's distractions, but things that are good for you and add to the universe and add to humanity and and make the world the better place. Listen to that. Don't be afraid of it. Say it out loud and then follow with action. And it doesn't matter. You could be, you could be the world's best janitor and you could be the world's best anything. It doesn't matter whether it's, you want to be a hunting guide or you want to be a ski instructor or you want to be a neurosurgeon or a lawyer like do it because you absolutely love it. And that's what you're thinking about. Cause the world needs more people who love what they do. Yeah, They don't need more lawyers or more doctors. I mean, they just need more people who are in love with what they do and the world will appreciate it and you'll appreciate it. So mine, it's not the coolest thing. It doesn't make the most money, 
takes a, there's a lot of pain involved um, and discomfort, but man, the places I've been, the things I've seen, I feel like the luckiest guy in the world. And some guys like don't ever make me run 50 miles. Yeah. I was like, me. well, good. Because now I got the whole mountain to myself and I'm going to run through like 50 miles of wildflowers and elk and deer and, you know, bald eagles and beautiful lakes where I can pull out a fly fishing rod and catch fish. That's what I love to do. And if you don't love it, then you don't belong here anyway. So I, that's why I want people to listen to like, okay, I hate running. I don't like the outdoors. It's cold and uncomfortable and wet and windy and makes me wake up in the morning well then yeah that's not why you're listening to me hopefully you're like what i really love is this and i invite you to think about it say it out loud and be fearless and just start see what happens after i'm sure after someone hears what you had just said that something will spark in their head where they're like wow as soon as he said that i thought about this i thought about yachts or i thought about golf or i thought you know whatever it is something probably came to their mind um yeah well, Devin, what what is it that you think about during the day? And it's okay if it's making money or making people happy, but what is it that truly you think? If the world if the world ended and it was you and your family and maybe a small community, but money, time, even your own handicaps, whatever they may be, were to disappear and there was no possible way for failing. What would it, what would you do? That's a really, really good question. And it sounds like you should have a podcast, but I, I, it's a really great question. And the first thing that comes to my mind is I love, and I'm constantly thinking about how I can make people laugh because when you make someone laugh, you connect with them. They, they want to be around you though. They trust you. They confide in you. Their walls come down and, feel just comfortable around you and everyone loves that guy who can make them laugh, you know, and that's just something I love to do. That's part of why I started this podcast. Well, anyone that says Devin, usually funny is a word in the next 10 words to follow. Funny is one of them. So you definitely <laughs> Well, thank you, Matt. Well, anyone who knows you would know that you are, you are very brave and courageous. You're, you're a wild man. You have no fear. I learned that when I was, I think I must've been like four years old and I, you asked me to, um, put a sparkler in your bum and light it. <laughs> Are you sure this is not your uncle Adam or this was it was, both of us at the same this time? This was you, Adam and Madison all at the same time. So three of my uncles <laughs> had asked me to do this and it was actually me and Braden, I think. And I remember being so little that like my hands to like pull the trigger on the lighter. Like it wasn't quite strong enough and I was shaking and you guys were like, come on, get it. You got it. You can do this. Do you need me to light it for you? <laughs> come on. Um, we were so patriotic. I can't believe it, it, of July really it was the 4th of July and you guys ran across the Bateman's lawn while butt naked, <laughs> while we were all watching the fireworks. And that was my first taste of my uncle Matt knowing like, dude, this guy's not afraid of nothing. <laughs> well, gosh, I- I've been up against some of the world's biggest grizzly bears, but now you're just thinking of sparklers. So you well, got to start somewhere. Start with <laughs> exactly. You got to start somewhere. But I, to prepare for this, I started going through some, and I'm not on social media, so I couldn't go too deep, but I, on your, your YouTube channel, I rewatched when you went uh, in that cave. I think it was like on Cascade Mountain or one of those mountains. And you are literally in the gap crawling through this cave I think you said that there was like nine inches or maybe a foot to fit through. And I watched this video. It was, you were on the other side already. Yeah. <laughs> and York, York is stuck in this crack, literally the ground and the mountain pulling, holding onto a rope as you guys are pulling him. And he's like, this is stupid. I watched that was maybe a minute long. And I, I got up and I walked around my house. I had to, I had to move. I literally did like 2000 steps just around my kitchen because I was having such bad anxiety and claustrophobia, but, (laughs) but to you, it didn't even phase you. I mean, maybe it did, but you, you were prepared. You had kind of scoped it out a little bit. You, you got a key to get into this closed off part of the mountain. And that's just one of the unlimited examples. So what, what is, 
What's kind of the most intense thing you think that you do? I mean, that caving was insane. I know you've gone up to Alaska where I think you were stranded, if I remember correctly. If that ever happened to me, I would I would be dead. Yeah, well, you know, I think some of your other uncles were, were with me on this trip. But places where I'm in the mountains um, with wild animals or a big class, I really have no fear, honestly. Um, that, that doesn't really play a big part because I'm in control um, at that point. And I feel like I hold all the cards um, most of the time, except for when I was actually 18, we were in Africa going down the Zambezi River. And the guides were training us for quite some time in that morning. And I was making so much fun in, in like a 18 year old way of like, mm-hmm. this is so stupid. Let's just go down this river. Like how hard can it be? It's a river, you know, like you paddle down it, figure it out. Oh, except for, I remember one thing and that was, I think it was called the devil's toilet bowl. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it was like rapid number four. Uh, this is years ago. I mean, this is in the nineties, early nineties, like 1990 five, four. Anyway, it was called the devil's toilet bowl. And they said on this river, um, by the way, it's the world's largest, most, uh, crazy rapid, uh, commercially run river in the world. So this is like hands down, like it almost sounded like Satan's toilet bowl. I mean, <laughs> it was rough? like a jet engine sucking, all the air and life out of that whole canyon in the loudest, scariest, just, it it was horrible. Anyway, all I heard was at number four of the devil's toilet bowl, go right, don't go left. And of course I'm like, oh, what happens if you do go right? Well, don't. And I'm like, all right, all right. We'll just stay the left and then not go right. Well, long story short, I was with my brother and maybe even my dad was on there. But the guide, we were just helpmeets for him. He was the guide. He had the oars. We just had these little paddles. And I'm like, rapid one. I'm like, I'm not even thinking about rapid two. I'm like, this is scarier and crap. But rapid <laughs> four is all I'm thinking of because they said, don't go right. Don't yeah. go right. So I'm like, okay, three, check it off. Okay, four's coming up. I look at it. I'm like, let's just get to the left side of the river immediately. <laughs> Three's over with. I know what comes next. Right is death and left is life. So let's go left. Let's just start nice. Oh, we'll be fine. Go down the middle. It's not for a while. Yeah, I know it's not for a while, but still <laughs> get left now, please. He's like, yeah, we'll be fine. Let's just, you know, around the middle is a little bit faster. I'm like, okay, fine. Five seconds of that. And I'm like, let's start going left. And he's like, we'll be fine down the middle. I'm like, why are you doing this? Like, <laughs> if left is life, let's go now. Yeah. Like, And all of a sudden I see him like, okay, yeah, it's coming up actually. So let's just okay, let's start working our way to the left. I'm like, thank you. And then you see him like, okay, paddle a little harder. I'm like, yeah, I'm, we're paddling as hard as we can. Paddle harder. And I'm like, yeah, we're, and then you see panic in his face. Oh my gosh. And you see, like, I'm like looking at the left side and the right side of the river. I'm like, for sure we are more right than left. <laughs> if there was, I'm looking at this and I'm like, he's like, okay, I need everyone paddle now. Paddle I'm like, you. Oh my gosh. How, how many minutes was I telling you get on the left side? Now you're doing this and you see him panic and rowing for his life. We're rowing for our life. And sure enough, we start getting pulled to the right. Mm. And I, if I could disappear at that time, I would, but there was, it was not in control. I had no cards to play. I was at the mercy of one of not one of mother nature's most powerful weapon, which is water. Yeah. And it had way too much of it. it. I mean, you could barely even hear the guide. It was so loud. And we get sucked right. And I just see him panic. And we just kind of stopped paddling. Most like, like, now what do we do? Yeah. And we're just kind of with our oars, kind of like looking mostly in panic. And his face just said it all. His face was like, well, we were just going to die. And <laughs> he literally went over a waterfall. And before the boat, the boat didn't even the boat went upside down in the Mm. waterfall. So the boat went steeper, 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 steeper till it passed the point of hundred percent vertical. 
And by the time we hit the river, we were, we we're already upside down. So you had stayed in the boat though, as it's going over. Yeah. We'd stayed in it till the very last minute. And then it flips out, flips everyone. And I just remember, he said, if anything else, just hang on to that rope and do not let go. You do not want to let go of the boat, stay with the boat. So me, I'm like jamming my wrist around wrapping that rope, like, like death grip. Like yeah. this is, this is it. And I don't know how many minutes we were under that water. It was probably maybe honestly like 30 to like 40 seconds of just being pounded and pulled under and then small breaths. I didn't even see my dad. I think he was under the boat for the first like minute. And next thing we know, Oh, here comes rapid five. We're still upside down and we're swimming. Still we go over rapid five. Here comes rapid number six. Oh, we still can't flip the boat upside down. Everyone's still swimming. And I remember thinking like, I hate water. I feel out of control. The ocean, (laughs) the river, anything, water. It's just, it just, I felt physically assaulted by mother nature and she had no mercy. She didn't care if you were like the president of the United States or a diplomat or the world's richest man or poorest man. They didn't even care. It was just whatever was in it was going to suck you down, make you die. And, oh, but 15 minutes of that, the boat, we were getting to some calm water. And those of who know the full story, I said, I'm hiking out of here. I am not going, oh, it's not as bad beyond here. I'm like, you know what? I have the world's worst guide yeah. and I don't believe anything you say. And <laughs> I want my feet on the ground and I hike out of the jungle. Oh. I remember it was like a 10 mile hike. And I was like, I don't know, it'd be a hundred miles. I would even go down another hundred yards on this water if it meant a hundred miles. So that was truly terrifying. And I, I don't think I spoke for like maybe three or four days. I just, I remember sleeping endlessly because it just, I don't know. It just was the most horrible experience. So I've had some really bad ones, but very few. Well, that's, I think you hit it on the head. I mean, that's traumatic because other scary experiences that you've had, you feel like maybe there's a little bit that you can do. There's an action you can do that may get you out of that sticky situation. This, you're not fighting that water. No, like no amount of finesse I could do. You were just completely at its mercy. When I got left up in Alaska for a month, I was just like, you know what? I'm out here. I got a gun. I'll shoot a moose and eat it. So I did that, you know, it's like, I'm in control. I'm like, I got a satellite phone. Yeah, no one's coming to get me. But at the end, I'm just going to call the U.S. Coast Guard <laughs> and say, hey, like, I've been left out here by a hunting outfit. and No one's coming to get me. So I felt like I have some control. And even then I was like, I'll just, you know, I'll pump up this raft and float down the Yukon. I, I would figure it out. But, you know, yeah, being on rock, I feel like I'm in control. But water, it moves and it moves you and it's in control and you're at its mercy and you kind of work with it a little bit. Yeah. It's mostly working you. That sounds terrifying. That was like, that got my heart rate up. I don't know if I'm going to go to bed tonight. I mean, but. <laughs> well, yeah, you wouldn't if you were on it, that's for sure. <laughs> I would have died like minute one into that. Um, <laughs> you you kind of glossed over your Alaska thing so people won't really realize how scary it was for. I think maybe more so people at home, but you, you went on a hunting trip up in Alaska, right? Where you're flown in and then they come back and pick you up after X amount of days, right? Yeah. You just, we, we prepaid $5,000 to drop us off 300 miles in the middle of nowhere and said, Hey, in five days, come grab us. And they said, sure, that's a deal. We'll pick you up this spot five days from right now. And luckily for me, I had a sat phone. I said, yeah. oh, let me get your number just so I can call you in case we have an emergency or anything. Sure. And they gave me a number that ended up being, I think, 28 days. Oh, my gosh. They did not get us. It just came to like day four on the night. I made a phone call and said, hey, just wanted you to know we will break down camp in the morning. And if you land that float plane on that... uh lake that you dropped us off on we'll meet you there and they said we will probably not be there and i was like um (laughs) yeah i've already prepaid so you need to come get me okay but it's gonna probably be at the end of the day okay fine 
but I got a plane to catch. So hopefully not too much at the end of the day. Cause I got to fly out of there before yeah. the end of the day. Um, sure. Yeah. Just, um, listen for the plane and, um, we'll come get you probably at the end of the day. Well, it was like five o'clock, six o'clock, seven o'clock. And I'm like, it's getting dark. Like, I don't think they're going to come get us. So I call them. Sorry. Yeah. Dude, uh, just the weather down here is bad. And then it, we were, well, maybe we'll get you tomorrow. I was like, hey, maybe this is not how this works. Like, <laughs> yeah, you guys have to pick me up. And they're like, well, the weather's bad down here. And so I said, okay, I understand that. This is Alaska. We called my neighbor's wife. She's like, no, the weather's great there. My gosh. Like, yeah, it's great where I am too. So this is confusing. <laughs> anyway, that went on for like day six, day seven, day eight, day nine, day oh 10. Gosh. Then they just stopped answering their phone. And then we put my put my friend's wife in charge of making because I only had X amount of battery. Yeah. So she starts calling them saying, Oh, he answered saying they're running into like they have to take other people out and now they're behind, but they're gonna get you as soon as they can. And then it went to like we wouldn't hear them for like three days at a time. And a long story short. When we get there, we shot, we shot a few moose. We were eating them along the way, somewhat going crazy because we didn't know like, yeah. okay, six days, seven days, eight, understandable. Nine, that's kind of risky. Ten, what are you thinking? Yeah. Eleven, this is like borderline. Maybe you go to jail for this. Yeah. <laughs> Someone dies and you run out of food to like two weeks. And we're like, okay, is this guy a crook? Um, are we getting picked up? And then a lot of thoughts run through your mind. And then it came down to, he did pick us up. Uh, one day before we were going to call the, I said, if he doesn't come by tomorrow. We're just going to call the coast guard and we we're going to have our wife, you know, my buddy's wife who knows our location send rescue out. Um, and even that may have been tough because it was starting to freeze the lake and snow was starting to come. So but they did. They came on like day 28 or whatever. And he, when the pilot landed, I just didn't want to look at him in the face. Cause I thought we all have rifles. Yeah. And we're all angry, hungry men. And he landed. And the first thing he said was, Whoa, you guys have like three dead moose on shore. Uh, legally we need to take these out before we take you. And I was <laughs> like, well, unfortunately for you, uh, legalities are like, yeah. You know, like you are so legally in trouble on so many levels. Yeah. We don't even talk about that. Second of all, we have three guns and you don't. And third, I can fly an airplane. And so we leave you here. <laughs> so I said, we're all three getting on the plane. I said, well, I'll take one out at a time. And then your gear. I said, we're leaving all of our gear here. You're putting all three of us on and you're flying us back. He's like, well, I, I don't know if I can do that. I said, well, good. If you can own, if you can't take that last person, we'll leave you behind. Yeah. I'll send someone to get you. <laughs> I mean, at the end of it, uh, did you, did you pursue legal action? This is like my worst nightmare. So I found out that he had overbooked way too many people. So he's like, Oh, he took $5,000 from like 50 people, got them all out there, but then ran into a couple bad weather days. And we learned through YouTube that, he crashed in one of his own airplanes, huh. uh, taking somebody else out who was overweight and they took off on the lake and then went back down and crashed. Oh my gosh, dude. This so, is this yeah, literally so my worst nightmare. I got mad at my mom when she was like 30 minutes late to pick me up from school once. Yeah. Well, she deserves it. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, 23 days later, dude, that's like literally a documentary could be made on that. And you're just like, yeah, I got left in Alaska and I knew I could shoot a moose. I, I, oh my gosh. Yeah, it was, um, I think we were down to gummy bears and moose meat and water. Then we were boiling because there were um, a lot of uh, beavers in the area and they actually contaminate the water. So the last thing we needed was Giardia in a position like that. So oh. we had a full-time fire going and yeah, it was talk about just mind games of like, am I being picked up? Oh yeah, I would have had a mental breakdown. Yeah. Oh. It was so I didn't go to Alaska for like three years after that. My gosh, that's kind of heavy. That's, 
that's almost too heavy to end on. So do you have like, what is, you've been, you, like you said, you have traveled all over the world. You just got back from the Bahamas. You do fun, exciting things. If you had like, okay, the Matt Gallon special, this is, I can go anywhere and do anything right now. Where is it that you go? Oh, there's three places in the planet. Let's hear it. A lot of good ones, but for sure, I would say Alaska has got to be one for everybody Mm -hmm. because I think that, I mean, it has America's tallest mountain, it has the world's biggest animals and just everything is like McDonald's that are supersized. It's everything's bigger there. So, and it's close. And I think it's one of our last frontiers. I think everyone's got to see it. Like, I ridden my bike around Denali and climbed big mountains there. Fishing is fun. Skiing is fun there. Flying. It's just like this kid's playground. Uh, if you want a place that looks like uh, a fairy tale land that would not exist on the planet, but it actually does, go to like the South Island in New Zealand. Yeah. It would it'd be nothing but like. And it's kind of great for everyone. There's like great restaurants and stuff and cool places to see, but like nature wise, it's like all the beautiful rivers and valleys and fjords and snow. And it's just, I don't know. I just feel like it's a total paradise there. 100%. That's if I could, if I could retire anywhere and take Gracie, it would be Queenstown, New Zealand, which is on the South Island. It's the adventure capital of the world. They have anything you want to do. Uh, they have the restaurants, jet boating, skiing, hiking, and it's just like exactly like you said. You didn't. It, it seems out of this world. Yeah, the remarkable is there. That's where like Lord of the Rings. Like, yeah. Like you're like, is there places like that exist? Like yeah, it's New Zealand. Yeah. Good God made it far away. He's yeah. like, yeah, let's put the cool things kind of out of reach for the kids. <laughs> uh, and then probably East Africa, even though like. Um, it's kind of, it does have disease there a little bit and a little bit of political instability and the Serengeti like Tanzania and Kenya for me, my parents, you know, took when I was in third grade, I, I took a hot air balloon um, over the Serengeti and man to see like nature just way dialed up. It's crazy where you, you in one day you'll see, you know, thousands of zebra and wildebeest and lions, like, you'll see a million animals and it's like, is this real? It's just like, I don't know. It's just like living in a national geographic special the whole time. The sunsets, the openness, the, the variety of of landscapes and animals and feels otherworldly there too. I don't know if I could stay there forever because man, it feels far away from everything that that, a lot of the comforts that we have, but, and that it probably was the first trip that really opened my eye up to be like, hmm, where else in the world can make me feel like this? And there's lots of them. Yeah. Well, that's awesome. Well, I'll tell my listeners, there you go, from the man who's seen most of the world, Alaska, New Zealand, and East Africa. Sounds like the places to be. I've, I've, been, to, well, I've been to all those places. And I can agree with you. I mean, I haven't done half the cool things you did because I was busy taking a nap, but. <laughs> <laughs> hey, at the end though, it's like, well, why don't I live there? Because uh, Brigham Young said best. He said, this is the place and I can live anywhere in the world, but the best place to live for me has been Utah. So yeah, if you see my Instagram, it's, I try to highlight Utah because it has everything. It not only has all that beauty, but it has all those social, um, you know, that all blessings that come with like good people, good families, uh, safe place to live, good economy. They're just like, and it's crazy. This place was once thought by historians and explorers as an unlivable place. Mm-hmm. And it's, nothing's cooler than flying over the top of these mountains and seeing like, Salt Lake to Utah Valley just flourish with, with like economic prosperity and happy families and good jobs. And I mean, some of the prettiest landscape and we took a desert and made it blossom. Yeah, no, I agree. I mean, I live down here in Arizona and I grew up in Utah, but I, I, 
you, I, you don't really appreciate it until it's gone. Right. But when I yeah. come back to Utah, I'm like, wow, this place is amazing. Literally just the, the beauty of it all, the people, it, it really is an amazing place that if you guys, my listeners out there, if you haven't been, go check it out. Northern Utah to Southern Utah has it all. Yeah, for sure. Okay, Matt. Well, I appreciate you jumping on. I know you're a busy dude and I took an hour of your time, but I know that my listeners are going to love hearing you inspired. You told fun stories and it was a blast. So thank you for getting on. Yeah, Devin, good seeing you and talking to you and um, talk to you soon. Okay. Thank you, Matt.